This morning, uh, I'd ask you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'll read just verses 15 through 21. One thing, just to help us uh, set up this uh, this little text, is that um, there is there is a, a verb in in verse uh, eighteen, um, be filled with the Spirit, and then follow it's followed by uh, several participial phrases, and they are they all consider them as hanging down under the main verb, and they show us how we walk out the truth. Of, uh, of this truth, of this uh, uh, message on uh, being filled with the Spirit. You do it by addressing, by singing, by giving, by submitting. This is the Word of God. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Uh, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, um, giving thanks always um, and for everything to God the Father um, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Again, pray with me. We call upon you, our God and Father, since all fullness of wisdom and light is found in you. Mercifully enlighten us by your Holy Spirit in the true understanding of your word. For it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We come to week six. I want to take a very quick look back at weeks one through five. Uh, we have been speaking of keeping in step with the Spirit, and that, of course, uh, starts with the ministry of the Spirit in general as God in action. Remember that uh, in both the Hebrew language and in the Greek language, the word for wind, ruach, and uh, pneuma are the same words used for the Spirit, the same word to identify the wind that blows powerfully and the Spirit of God who also moves power powerfully in this world. Secondly, regeneration, the Holy Spirit's work in us, it is, it is a, a spiritual ignition. There is an inert body or an inert engine that needs an, an ignition, a spark uh, to drive it, which then leads to a lifetime of rehabilitation. The one who has come to faith in Christ through the ministry of the Spirit necessarily will bring fruit. And then the adoption, the spirit of adoption, um, the Spirit adopts us because God loves us and brings us into his family. God loves us, sent Jesus to save us, Jesus our older brother, and we then 
uh, live uh, in peace and in harmony in the family of God. Number four, the, the law, remember we not, not talk, we, we talk not just about being um, a sibling of Jesus, but also married to him as the body of Christ, the spouse of the Lord. The law, remember, is good, but it brings a ministry of condemnation. The law is good. We, however, are no longer married to the law, but to Jesus. And because we are married to Jesus, we both um, want to and we can obey. And then last week, how does the Spirit change us? One of the ways that the Spirit changes us is that as we gaze upon Jesus, as we look upon Jesus, uh, the Spirit builds within us of the very glory of Christ. That's where we've been. I, I love I love this next word. I love this next word. It is it is perichoresis. Perichoresis. And and it is a word that has been used um, for a very long time um, in the history of the church to describe how the Trinity functions together. Um, the eternal Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have, have lived uh, in communion one with another um, for all time, never and before time, and, and into eternity future as we look at things. Um, there has been fellowship in the, in the Trinity, joy, uh, between and among Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father has always been Father. The Father has always loved His Son. The Son has always re always returned that love to the Father through the Holy Spirit. And there has been nothing but joy and fellowship and love it thriving uh, in that triune God and that relationship but there's another application that we haven't looked at yet, and it's especially important as we look at what, at being filled with the Spirit, that when God acts, when God works, um, it is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all working together. When God acts, all are acting. So be filled with the Holy Spirit includes the ministry, the life, the love, the power of the Father as well as the Son. It is possible to get off on the wrong track when we think about the ministry of the Spirit and the fullness of the Spirit to believe that somehow or other this is reducing the fullness of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit with an emotional response, a feeling state. Some kind of emotional experience, then, is what some people pursue. But being filled with the Spirit is not an experience of the Holy Spirit um, apart from the Father and the Son. Instead, it is how we know the love and the ministry of the Father and the Son through the Holy Spirit. I want, I want to... Uh, to Read or pray again 
a text from uh, Ephesians chapter 3 that I trust you will carry with you for as long as you are breathing air. And this is the, this is the prayer that the apostle teaches us. I pray that out of the glorious, his glorious riches, this is Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's where we're going in being filled with the Spirit. To being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Uh, one of the um, ancient church fathers, Gregory of uh, Nazianzus, um, helps us. He did a lot of studying and writing and teaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit as, as a, a member of the Trinity. And, and this, this is what he says. No sooner do I conceive of the one, that is one of the persons of the Trinity, no sooner do I conceive of the one than I am illumined by the splendor of the three. And no sooner do I distinguish them than I am carried back to the one. I can think about the Spirit, the Father, the Son, for a little while, but then I necessarily am brought back together to see this is the triune God. The triune God then involved with us in this ministry of filling. Be filled then. My theme this morning, be filled more and more uh, with the Holy Spirit. Another way that you could say that, the grammar would, would accept this kind of, a, of, of an interpretation. Be being filled. Keep at it. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, first question, what is this filling? What is this filling of the, of the Spirit? First of all, the filling is different from, it is not the same thing as the, what we might call the indwelling of the Spirit. Um, we are never commanded to be indwelled by the Spirit. We are instead, as Paul would say earlier in Ephesians, we are sealed with the Spirit, and that is a one-time act. It is an, an objective fact. It is not about how you feel. It does ebb and flow, uh, but as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, if we don't have the Spirit of Christ, we don't belong to Him, Jesus. If we don't have the Spirit, we don't believe in Jesus. We don't have Jesus, or putting it positively, if we do have Jesus, we also have the Spirit. 
That's not what we're talking about here with respect to the filling of the Spirit. The filling is subjective. The, 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 feeling, the full, um, fullness of the Spirit has to do with, with knowing God and experience of God as the Spirit even is ripening His fruit within our lives. It is knowing personally and experientially who God is and he is our father. We are controlled by what fills us or we are formed by what fills us. Um, notice that uh, there is a comparison being drawn between being uh, filled with the spirit and being drunk on alcohol. What, what is his purpose here? In this contrast with drunkenness, the one who is under the influence of alcohol, there is a certain effect on that person. Obviously, there's other white people would knew it, okay? So there's a big effect upon people. Um, I walk with a guy every other week uh, who is now a dear friend of mine who, um, who, who has uh, come out of a, a number of years of being given over to alcohol. And as I was sharing some of these things with him on our walk a few weeks ago, he, he made this statement. Um, he said, alcohol doesn't enhance anything in your life. We think it will. We think it does. We hope it, do, it, it will, those who are given over to alcohol abuse. But it doesn't enhance anything. It does remove inhibitions. It loosens the tongue. You lose control, uh, leading to debauchery, as the word is in this text, which is a crass indulgence in sensual pleasures. It dehumanizes you. It distorts you so that, we've heard it said, as a cop who pulls us over when we're weaving and asks us to walk in a straight line, so we can't walk in a straight line. Can't do that. But the Holy Spirit uh, produces the best version of you. You become, if you will, more human. You're you, but you're also more like Jesus. You, you want to and can walk in that straight line. The straight line of God's commands. You are spirit-filled which is another way of saying you are now self-controlled. You can control yourself, and you do control yourself under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Spirit, then, um, is a matter. It includes the Spirit forming in us more of the life of Jesus. And, and that happens not just as we gaze upon Jesus, as we saw last week, but that happens through the sovereign, delightful, personal, ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. As we see in Romans, uh, in Romans 5, verse 5, this, please turn with me, and if you haven't, if it's not marked up in your Bible already, I recommend it. Um, Romans 5, Romans 5 um, talk, speaks of, uh, of, our, of our being justified by faith. We therefore have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
we gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. Character produces hope. You hear all these things? Suffering helps us in radical, deep, powerful ways. Suffering helps us. And it all makes sense because of verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, it is to have the love of God poured out into your life. Many Christians um, even think it's a bit counterproductive to talk so much about the love of God. These are more like children who are walking around in a tide pool next to the Pacific Ocean and they never lift their eyes up to see the vastness of the ocean. They think that tide pool is all there is, but the, the power of the Spirit, the Spirit works in us, the knowledge of this love of God that is, um, that is of massive width and length and height and depth. He gives power to know this massive God. And so we are heading humbly and resolutely throughout our lives into this ocean that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what the Spirit is doing. Help us to know something that is beyond our, our able to grasp eternally. A phrase by Gerhardus Voss uh, has been helpful to me in, in understanding something about the love of God. As we consider this massive theme, but the best, he says, the best argument that God won't stop loving us is that he never began. There was not a point in time when God started to love us. The best argument that God won't stop loving us is that he never began. So this phrase, parakoresis, which we've been considering, its, it's implications here, we don't seek an experience of the Spirit. Uh, we seek the dimensionless love of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes life feels like a desert. Sometimes life is really hard. It is dry. It is, it is even a drudgery at times. It's a fearful thing at times. We may feel down and we may feel defeated by the circumstances of things that are out of the life around us. And we therefore may also feel disqualified from embracing these blessings of knowing the fullness of God like this. But our generous God uh, tells us in, in the words of Psalm 81, where he's describing Faithless Israel, recently released from Egypt. Faithless Israel, already dabbling in the things of this world, distracted from God. And he says these, he says these words. He says these words to people in the desert 
who were that turned away from him. And he says these things. He says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. I, I, what comes to my mind is, a, is, is a, some little birds in a nest and mom is, is dropping whatever she drops, worms or whatever, into their mouths. And those mouths are open like this. And God says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. He promises that. Well, are you trusting in Jesus today? Um, if you're trusting in Jesus, then this issue is sealed, is, is, is completed. You've been sealed with the Spirit. You have the Spirit. That's a settled issue. But even in your worst moments, may I say in your, in your worst moments, even then, you come to the Lord not disqualified, but qualified because of his love. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. That's something about what it means to be filled. The question next, uh, it, it demands to be asked and answered. Well, how does this happen? How are you filled? What is, how do we do this? It's a command, first of all, that you can't do. It, it, it is in the passive voice, you must be filled. Necessarily, that's not something that you can do. That's something that only the Spirit does. And yet, it, you are not passive in this. You don't, you don't just sit back and wait for it and hope that it comes or come to the conclusion that it can't come and just give up. You are not passive. You consider instead the heart of God to bring the word of his truth into your life in such a way that you can, he can revolutionize your life. Ephesians 5 um, is very much like uh, Colossians chapter 3. They both have a, a series of, of teachings and commands that are, are called um, household directives, Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. They, they both begin with these, this idea of, 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 um, of, of, um, of singing to the Lord, uh, of encouraging one another, um, of submitting to one another and of thanking God. All of those things are mentioned both in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3. And, and yet in, in Colossians, which is the parallel to this our passage today, in, in Colossians, he does not say be filled with the Spirit in order to fire, ignite these other, these other tasks of singing and encouraging and thanking God and submitting. Colossians doesn't say be filled with the Spirit, but it does say in exactly the same place, in Paul's argument of the household directions here, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The Spirit uses the word of Christ in order to get at our hearts to bring about this fullness. Now, there are some people um, in the Christian church, and I suspect um, we Presbyterians might sometimes be charged with this, if I can get personal for just a minute. Sometimes people can emphasize the word without the spirit. And when that happens, we, not, we dry up. We know the written word 
but not the living word, at least not quite so well. And oftentimes there is little change in our lives. We sometimes go through dull experiences, and I'm not projecting on you, I'm instead describing what my life has been like at times. Think more about more about the word than I do the spirit, or even think about the word apart from the spirit. So it is possible to emphasize the word without the spirit, and you can dry up. You can also emphasize the spirit without the word, and you can blow up. What do I mean by that? That you can you can believe that you hear the Spirit saying one thing from you that is either not in the Scriptures or apart from or, or even against what's in the Scripture, and you can then be so self-inflated, it's not the Spirit, but your own desires that are now causing that self-inflation. And you think about you and the Spirit apart from the Word, you're in a very dangerous situation. Instead, of course, uh, when we emphasize the word and the spirit, that's how we grow up. And this is uh, profoundly simple. It is so profound that we can routinely miss it. It's easy to miss. Again, one of the things I strongly desire for you to take away from these weeks uh, that I've been with you, and, and that is um, to to live comfortably and knowledgeably and in a nourishing way in in uh, in John fourteen fifteen and sixteen. And I'm going to read a chunk from John fifteen right now. And this is this is Jesus Jesus um, bringing together the same things that Paul does. Ephesians five: Be filled with the Spirit. Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell, in, dwell with you, uh, dwell in you. Uh, John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of vine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. And as, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear, what's the next word? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full.
be being filled um, daily. Drink deeply of the word. Don't separate the word and the spirit. As you read the scriptures, connect your need with God's generous heart. You may well, at times, open up your Bibles and read with a defeated frame of mind. And then you easily give up. I can't do it. I can't, I can't live how the Lord wants me to live. But remember, the Spirit groans with you, for you. And with that comes the promise that joy is coming. The Spirit gives fresh love for God as it persuades you of God's love for you. Maybe you have a, a thought, instead of being sort of defeated, but sort of have grown comfortable with being a Christian, perhaps for a number of years, many years, as I have been, and you can instead become complacent and have the sense that pretty much you've arrived. And you thank God for what he's given but you really don't expect that there's much more coming your way and to you I say you have barely scratched the surface of the generosity of God the goodness of God and the love of God and the, the spirit desires that all of us have a deeper and richer life in him well the, the second part of this is how do we how do we go about this be being filled with the spirit uh, another part of it is that the spirit moves uh, through our dependence but also into our but through our repentance as well dependence and and repentance here, here full cups cups that are already full have no room for more liquid a full cup it is can't be filled. There is, there is no room for the spirit if we ourselves are filling our own cup with our own desires and demands and we are seated on the throne. A question that perhaps you can ask or have asked is, do I have all of the spirit? Do I have all that the spirit has promised me? Do I have all of the spirit? A better question is, does the spirit have all of you? One of the reformers put it this way, true conversion is putting to death our flesh. The spirit makes you alive. The spirit makes you long for true holiness. You practice repentance constantly. And this spiritual warfare ends only at death. The life of faith, the life in the spirit, is a repentant faith. Uh, you're, it, it's, you're, you're an instrument, if you will, that is, that is prone to go out of tune. Um, and, uh, and, and you grieve the spirit when it goes out of tune and, this, and the noise, this, it's, it's grating, it's, 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 it's painful. As 
as this the bow scrapes across those ring those strings when it's when it's out of tune. There may be disharmony in your home that can happen as quickly as one ill-chosen word. You're susceptible to this. There, there can be turmoil in your heart that is introduced by one unmet desire. And then the downward spiral begins. And it is through repentance that the Spirit tunes us to harmony and to peace with Him. Well, we are we are we are um, sealed with the Spirit by the Spirit. We are being filled by the Spirit, but we can also still grieve the Spirit, and this is where this repentance fits in. We can still grieve the Spirit and do grieve the Spirit. Um, and the spirit cannot be filled um, and, and enter into your cup more when there's something else already in it. So that's what we want to think about, about for just a moment. What goes into your cup not leaving room for the spirit? What are you thirsty for? For what do you thirst? Is it to be approved by other people? Is it to have a certain level of financial stability? Is it to have the perfect spouse or family? What, what are you thirsty for? It can't become a God because there's only one God. What desires are uppermost? How does your own self-indulgence draw you away from seeking spirit-filled living? Consider your own self-indulgence, not the self-indulgence of other people around you. <laughs> That's way too convenient. <clears throat> Think about yours. Now, for these stubborn sins, there is uh, there is a response. <laughs> Imagine leaves that are in a gutter and are are causing the water to to run right over those leaves and not go down into the drain. Uh, John White draws a picture of of repentance being like deep, digging, reaching very deep into that gutter and, and pulling up those leaves that are obstructing the flow of the water, to pull them out, to throw them aside, to allow the water to flow. Lord, we might pray with the psalmist in 139, Lord, show me my hidden faults. And if I could indulge you for just a moment here. <laughs> My wife prayed that prayer for two years because she knew something was wrong. This was years and years ago. She knew something was wrong in her relationship with people, in her relationship with the Lord. She didn't see. She couldn't, she couldn't see. Lord, show me my hidden faults. Hidden to me, not to you, but hidden to me. And one day, the Spirit brought something into her life that caused her to see, eyes open for the first time, or at least in this radical way, to see her own self-righteousness and to see how she valued, devalued the righteousness of Jesus. He, he significantly, substantively healed her in that moment. 
not saying that yours or mine will be the same experience as that, but pray, Lord, show me my hidden thoughts. Okay. Being filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit to the point where, as Vern Poitras said in a class, I don't know, 40 years ago, 45 years ago in seminary, there is what he called the Holy Spirit sloshover. That is, the Holy Spirit is, is coming into your life, and, and Romans 5, it's, it's coming into your life, and it is spilling. It is spilling out. It is overflowing. It is running in various directions away from that cup that is now overflowing with the Spirit. Uh, Spirit-filled people, then. And now here's where we get into that the grammatical lesson. That that's The, the Spirit-filled people are doing the participles that are in the rest of this passage. Uh, they are, are doing that, that singing. They are doing uh, the, um, the, the thanking of God at all times. They are doing that submitting. Very briefly here, spirit-filled people are singing to God from the heart. Have you ever come to worship? Have you ever been involved in worship? And you're singing the hymns out of the hymnal or what are up on the screen there. And you realize about three minutes in that you have been thinking about the NFL game that's going to happen in about two hours. Has anyone ever had a thought like that? Or you're thinking about what you're serving for dinner or what you're eating for dinner. Pray for the ministry of the Spirit more and more so that, as the uh, Jamie Phillips translation puts it, we're making music in your hearts for the ears of the Lord. That is spirit-filled singing, making music in our hearts for the ears of the Lord. That, secondly, then, um, spirit-filled people are thanking God all the time. Does that sound a little bit, I don't know, <laughs> excessive, <laughs> a little unreasonable? Um, when Think of it this way, though. When you are full of yourself, you are spiritually lazy, and you grumble a lot of the times, and you complain. Do you not? When you're full of self, and tough things are hard, you grumble naturally. You complain naturally, and that's because of spiritual laziness. For a number of years, I was working in the House of Corrections in Jessup, Maryland. We were planting a church in a maximum security prison. It was amazing. One of the things, for the point of this message, is one of the things that I got used to hearing for these guys, many of whom, these were friends of mine, I loved them. Um, one of my best friends there had killed his wife and another person. But Jesus was in his heart in an amazing way. But one of the things they had in the prison was a, was a, uh, a catechism. It's, and I just call it the prison catechism. And maybe you've heard it, but it's, it's uh, God is good. One of them would say, and another one else would say all the time. They were able to see, even in their circumstances, in a maximum security prison, that God is good all the time. So what are the hard things that lock up your heart? Um, in, order, in order to walk out those things that Romans 5 was talking about, that suffering produces um, 
produces faith and and, uh, um, and, and, and it brings change into our hearts. When you are being locked up by hard things, I would ask you to look in a different direction. And that is, what is God up to? And how is he shaping you by these experiences? How is he deepening dependence on him? And you're able then to give thanks and go in hard, hard things. <clears throat> Finally, um, the Spirit. Um, as the Spirit fills you, you are submitting to one another. Uh, look with me back at the text. Um, we're, we're giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're submitting. That's the participle. That's the that's how how being filled with the Spirit works. When you are full of yourself rather than the Spirit, um, you celebrate your rights and you will think if you don't say. You don't have a right to tell me what to do. You don't have the right to to block what I want to do here. So I'm not going to be I'm not going to be a submissive person. But if you truly fear, you reverence uh, out of reverence for Christ. You are gentle even to the prickly, and you are able then to submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. One final application for this is that in the next verse it says, "Wives." Submit to your husbands, except for the fact that the word submit isn't in that text. It isn't in there. It is simply saying wives to your husbands. Submit to your husbands. Here's the key. Like Christ has submitted to the Father. So you, women who are married, lay down your life for your husband. So the husband gets off free, right? It goes on to talk about husbands love your wife like Christ loves the church. How do you do that? Same thing. Lay down your life for the other. Yes, there is a headship, there is a leadership on the part of the husband, but oftentimes, functionally, it's really hard to tell the difference when you've got two people laying down their lives for the other one. There's a beautiful harmony. For both, in fact, we can go on kids with your parents, the same thing. If we live a life of submission to those that God has placed over us, <laughs> And we might do, husbands, wives, children, parents, do what another um, friend has, has identified as a, as a crucifixion audit during the course of the day. How am I doing? Better yet, at the beginning of the day, Lord, give me the grace to lay down my life for my spouse, my, my husband, my wife, my children, my parents, whatever. Give me grace. Give me grace. My last words are these. Um, do not stray far from the upper room. Embrace and keep embracing Jesus' words, abide in me and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Keep the upper room, a main room in your life. The second thing is this. 
I invite you to um, pray a prayer that um, actually a friend of mine gave to me. Um, I think I mentioned it to you. But the part of it that speaks about the ministry of the Spirit, um, I worship you, Spirit, the sanctifier of the people of God. And then asking specifically for the Spirit in your life, Spirit, I pray that this day um, you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I've got that prayer, which contains other things as well. If you're interested in it, um, I've been... It, it, it would be of a great help to you, I'm sure. And then, and then finally, um, never stray far from the prayers of Paul in chapter 1 and chapter 3 of Ephesians with the goal that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Son of all glory, and ministering the Holy Spirit, these things seem too great for us, too far out of our experience, that we may discount them. But we are coming to you tonight or today, and we come to you each day, opening wide our mouths and saying, fill us. Fill us this day with the love I need from you today so that I'm able to respond with love for you and also to love one another. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.